Welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank by applying the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sarah Ibrahim. Today, I'm interviewing Greg Dickerson. Greg is a serial entrepreneur, real estate developer, and mentor to high-level investors and entrepreneurs. Starting from nothing, he has bought, developed, and sold over $250 million in real estate, built and renovated hundreds of custom homes and commercial buildings, developed residential and mixed-use subdivisions, and started, scaled, and exited more than a dozen companies. Greg currently mentors some of the top entrepreneurs, real estate investors, and real estate developers around the world, helping them start, grow, and scale their business, raise more capital, and do bigger deals. Greg's current clients have over $2 billion in assets under management and deals in process. Greg is an expert on the topics of entrepreneurship, leadership, and real estate, and is regularly interviewed on some of the top real estate investing and business podcasts today. Greg served in the U.S. Navy right out of high school and has always been a leader in the community, as well as supporting, advising, and serving on the boards of several churches, ministries, and nonprofit organizations. Greg, welcome to our podcast. Sari, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. I'm looking forward to interviewing you, getting to know you, and, and learning more about you. Before we talk about what you're doing now, I want to know more about your background and, and what you do. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a natural-born entrepreneur. Um, I did not go to college. I went in the Navy right out of high school. None of my family members are entrepreneurs or business people. My dad was career military. My mom was career Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Uh, but, you know, um, I I always had this, you know, burning inside of me to be an entrepreneur, to carve my own path. My dad taught me at a young age, if I wanted something, I needed to figure out a way to get the money to get it. You know, so I've always approached the world from that way, provide value to the world, and then you'll be able to get the things that you want and need, you know, in the world. So um, I graduated high school in 1985, went in the Navy, got out in 89. I did retail in the Navy. So I did get a little bit of training from a business standpoint in the Navy. We took care of all the ship stores and vending machines and barbershops and laundry, things like that supply division. So we were the guys you went to if you needed anything. So we, we were the ones you wanted to know. When I got out of the Navy, I did restaurants and construction, the only two things that, that I ever did. Uh, I worked um, worked my way up into restaurants and the management positions and uh, ultimately regional manager for a public company, one of the fastest growing steakhouse chains at the time. Um, and, you know, from about 100 to 500 units, I got some really good training from that organization, how to become a leader, delegator, motivator, how to squeeze a nickel out of penny, you know, really watch the numbers, really know how to budget from a business standpoint, uh, those types of things. So that was some really good business training, uh, especially on the leadership management front, just like the military had really good leadership training in the military, discipline, things like that. And then I took all those lessons. And in 1997, um, I started my uh, entrepreneurial, my full-time entrepreneurial journey. You know, I'd had some side businesses while I was working, you know, in the corporate world. And I had a couple of times when I, you know, was doing my own business and I wasn't working a job. But prior to 1997, you know, I was not a full-time entrepreneur. I started that journey uh, as a little remodeling handyman contractor. I did 250000 in sales my first year. Started it with nothing, no money. I literally started it just like as a kid. I set up a little business, knocked on doors and said, hey, my name's Greg Dickerson. I've got a remodeling company. You know, I'll do whatever you need done. I'll, you know, change a window, change your screen, fix a door lock, whatever you need. You know, that's literally how I started getting business for initially, just telling the people I knew that I set this business up because I was in an area off the coast of North Carolina called the Outer Banks where the Wright brothers took off, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Everybody was so busy. You know, this was 1997, like I said, you know, nobody would call you back if you needed something done. So we'd bought a little house there. I moved there to actually own, uh, open a restaurant. 
Uh, but I worked in restaurants the first season and we were trying to get work done on our house. Nobody would return a phone call. So where there's a problem, there's an opportunity. So I had some skills. I, I you know, had some construction businesses in the past. So I said, I'm going to set up a little construction company and start doing these little odd jobs. And that's where it started. So it was just me, my truck and tools, 1997, did 250,000 that first year. Seven years later, we were $30 million, uh, $30 million building company. I started 12 other businesses along the way during that seven-year journey, uh, reinvested all that cash into other assets and started getting into you know, spec house development. Then I started doing land development. Then I started doing commercial, multifamily, industrial, you know, and everything just scaled from there. Ended up doing hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in deals using my own money. No, no partners, no investors. Uh, and then since then, I've done, you know, four or 500 million with investors and partners in deals. I never had any partners in any of my businesses um, mm -hmm. as I went along. It was always me owning. Uh, and then I would sell it back to, you know, uh, one of the operators or something like that. But uh, I never did partner, maybe one or two businesses I partnered in, but not very many. Um, and then, you know, my other side is that serial entrepreneur. I do equity capital, buy companies, build them up, exit them, you know, things like that. So that that's my long story short. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you you took a lot of things that uh, you started off at a very basic level. Like, for example, telling people about your business back in the 90s, you know, marketing 101, right? Like you need to tell people what you do. You need to think about it in a, a very basic sense of business. And then you scale from there. So I could tell that you you knew that early on. Now today, fast forward to today, I went on your website. It looks like you've helped a lot of big people right now in the industry. You know, there's a lot of people right now who have funds that are exceeding a billion dollars in AUM. And it looks like you've helped them. So do you mind sharing with us more about that? How do you help investors? How do you help entrepreneurs? Like what are some of the tips you you give them and, and you share with people? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mentor entrepreneurs and investors all around the world. Most of them are in the United States, but I do have some outside the country doing all kinds of different things. Some are syndicating, you know, multifamily. Some are doing commercial. Uh, some are uh, doing real estate development. So that's one of the big things I, I teach people is how to get into real estate development. Got a lot of people doing that. Some are builders. You know, some have just general businesses. And I'm helping them scale their business. You know, things like that. So, uh, you know, in terms of let's just focus on multifamily syndication or commercial yeah. real estate syndication. You know, or even real estate development, because that's kind of what your audience is doing. You know, you got to have three things to be successful in the business, right? You need deals, you need, you know, the cash, either, you know, equity or debt, you need the financing, uh, deals, funding, and you need expertise. You know, you need those three things to be successful in real estate, but you don't need all three, right? You can have one of those um, or a couple of those, but you don't have to have all three of those. So generally, when I meet people, uh, and I'll give you an example. One of my clients, Viking Capital, when I met them, they were at 100 million assets under management, somewhere around there. But it was just the two of them. And they they had different talents and they had goals to get to a billion dollars. And that was our plan was to get them to a billion dollars assets under management. So the first thing we looked at is, you know, who do you need to become and what does your company need to look like in order for you to become a billion dollar, you know, asset under management uh, multifamily syndicator? And what are the what are the systems and processes you need to put in place and what does that team need to look like as you go along? So the first thing we did was identify the two partners, what their roles were, what their strengths and weaknesses were, and what they needed to be focused on. Because at that time, there was no, neither one of them was a CEO or COO or anything like that. So we established, you know, one of them needed to be the CEO, CEO the other needed to be the COO, and then they needed to build the team underneath of them. Uh, and then they needed to scale their ability to raise capital. So, you know, generally that's kind of how that proceeds. And I've had different use cases where, where I've had some that came to me with half a billion assets under management. We scaled them to well over a billion. 
I've got a couple that come to me with 100 million assets under management, scaled them to a billion. And then I've got a group that came to me with about 20 or 30 million under management. We've scaled them to 250 million so far. So they're coming to this you. This is all usually within a year. Got it. So they're coming to you already with established an established business, established investor base. Well, that was those three you know, cases. Now I do have some that came to me, didn't have anything. They didn't have, you know, any investors, they didn't have a business. So I've helped people start that, but generally they have some level of success somewhere in their life. So I work with a lot of medical and dental professionals that are very successful in that practice, but they've never really done real estate uh, or maybe they, you know, they're leasing an office or they own their office, something like that. So they've got a little bit of some, some kind of knowledge and I've helped them, you know, scale their business and set up their business, you know, basically from scratch, teach them how to raise capital, how to build those networks. I've got people that have exited their companies like I did. And now they have a, a you know, a, a pool of capital that they want to, you know, grow their company with. And then I've got people that like, I've got a few people I work with that never had any real estate experience at all and got into the business. And I showed them how to do like residential house flipping, how to do deals with no money. Like I've got one, one, one client I work with. Um, he had a real estate license, but he'd never done a transaction, never done a you know a deal, didn't really have any money. So I showed him how to do a subject to deal. So he took a house down subject to the existing financing. I showed him how to get the contractor to finance the renovations. And then, you know, 90 days later, he flipped the house and made $60,000 on his first deal. That was more money he'd ever made in his life. And he'd never done a real estate deal ever before, never did a real estate transaction. You know, but he, you know, he went, he educated himself. He did what I told him to do. And I coached him through the whole process. And then I've got another couple that, you know, they were flipping houses for six years, never made more than, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, in any given year. After one year with me, again, what do you, who do you need to become? What does your company need to look like? Tools, systems, processes. Um, they've been flipping houses for six years, never made more than 200 grand. After the first year with me, they made 1.35 million, one, one, three, four, six, something like that. Uh, you know, in their business. So, you know, it's just different people at different levels doing different things. But the the actual, the newest ones that have never done anything are usually the medical and dental professionals that are, you know, trying to exit that business or trying to invest their capital, you know, into other deals and, and grow their business. That's where I get the most beginners from. And, and you mentioned like, who do you want to become? I think that's a, that's key because I, a lot of people might look at it as just tell me where the deals are or tell me which banks are giving financing or where the investors are at. But they're skipping themselves. Like, who do you need to become comes before the other stuff, right? So, how, how, what does that mean? Who do you become, and what do you what what do you do during that personal development process? Yeah, so you have to be investable, you have to be bankable, you know, and you have to, like I said, you've got to have one of those three things: either deals, the capital, or the expertise. So, uh, in order for you to be investable, you've got to have expertise or you need to be partnered with people who are. You've got to be an operator. If you're going to go out and raise a million dollars, five million dollars, 10 or 100 million dollars, and that's, you know, that's the other side. So, these people I've worked with have gone from raising like nothing to raising hundreds of millions of dollars in like the course of a year. Wow. Um, you know, by educating themselves, becoming an expert in their niche. And, uh, you know, showing people that they're operators, if you're going to be bankable, well, you got to have the assets and the balance sheet and the track record and, you know, those types of things. I mean, you can't get a agency multifamily loan if you don't have experience. Uh, so, you know, you can start with a small balance loan where you don't need agency experience and then get yourself the experience, you know, from that standpoint. So you got to fill in those pieces until you can become that individual that's not only investable, but, you know, can qualify for a bank loan. And that all comes back to expertise. So, you know, again, you don't have to be all of it, 
but you can be one or some of those pieces and then fill in the rest by either partnering or by hiring. So my personal journey, you know, I, I never knew how to build a house before I built a house. So mm -hmm. I went and hired people that that's what they did for years and years and years to come work for me to build multi-million dollar beach houses. Uh, when I did my first development, I'd never done a development before. You know, I hired a, you know, contractor that does land development to do the work for me. You know, so I didn't go, I didn't try to go buy tractors and do it myself. I hired those people. When I did my first commercial building, I didn't build that myself. I hired somebody that that's what they do. So, you know, the key is to understand your weaknesses, know your limitations. And the way you learn is by hiring, outsourcing or partnering, you know, with, with those people. And, you know, I was doing work for, you know, other successful developers. And that's kind of how I learned. I learned by doing deals for them, ultimately then doing deals with them um, and then doing my own deals. So that's what I mean by who do you need to become? If there's a goal you want to get to, you know, there's something you have to do internally you know, to transform who you are in order to get to that level. So you need the education, the training, the resources, the tools, you know, you need all of those things so that you're investable, bankable, and that you can convey the confidence to the brokers when you're looking at deals, because brokers want to know, you know what you're doing. And they want to know you got a solid team behind you and you can perform, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the brokers want to know who's going to close the deal because that's how they get paid. So mm -hmm. that's what I mean by who you need to become. Got it. That makes sense. And, and I'm sure like, you know, what are the top first things a lot of investors and, and clients are, are thinking about right now during this time that we're in are interest rates, right? Interest rates have gone up a lot in the last couple of years. Has that affected your business, your the, the people you're mentoring, their businesses? Yeah. So deal flow, you know, well, not deal flow, but deal transactions are down. I mean, in the commercial real estate world, transactions are down 70, 80% right now with rising interest rates. But, you know, I've been through this. This is my third cycle. Okay. So it's just peaks and valleys. Good times never last. Bad times never last. And, you know, what I teach my people is, number one, you got to be patient in these times because it's been so easy, you know, the last few years before interest rates went up. And a lot of people didn't think interest rates were going to go up. And, you know, I've got a YouTube channel and I've got thousands of videos. And you go back and look at my videos over the last year or two. And I was preparing everybody. Look, rates are going up. They're going to go higher than you think. They're not going to come down as fast as you think. And people thought I was crazy. I'm like, I'm telling you, we are in a risk off environment. Inflation is a problem where, you know, the Fed's going to keep hiking and rates are going to stay higher longer than you think. A lot of people thought they would, you know, rates would be coming back down by the end of this year. And they bought deals based on that thesis. And I've said, no, it's going to be a couple of years before we get back to, you know, rates that, well, it, well, the rates we're at now are basically historically normal rates. Four to 5% for a Fed funds rate. That's normal. That's where you normally, you know, are. Interest rates are typically for residential five to seven percent for commercial. You know, I mean, back before 2009, I was nine percent interest. I was paying on all my development loans. You know, that didn't come down till after the financial crisis. Prior to that, you know, my first house I bought in 1990, interest rates were 10 percent. So, you know, that that seven to 10 percent is a normal kind of a range for interest rates. So we're getting back to a balance now. We've been so out of balance so long since the great financial crisis of 2009 that we're just now getting back to a normal level of rates where a lot of people are expecting it to come back down to zero. You can't right now yeah. with inflation and where that's at and with you know wages going up and things like that, we can't cut rates. So we're not coming back down. So what has to happen is now properties have to adjust, sellers have to adjust, and we're seeing that in the commercial markets. That's why transactions are down 70, 80% because you know, sellers just, you know, they're not there yet, but the buyers are telling them, look, here's where the rates are. This is all we can do. 
uh, you know, for the deals to work. So eventually that kind of comes back into equilibrium mm -hmm. because any of these deals, you know, there's about 1.2 trillion right now as of, as of recording this on September 27th of 2023, mm -hmm. there's about 1.2 trillion in commercial debt that has to get refinanced over the next 18 months. Most of that isn't going to be able to be refinanced because rates aren't coming down. So those deals are going to hit the market and they're going to be sold for, you know, 50 to 60% of what, uh, you know, of what's owed on them potentially, mm -hmm. uh, depending on what it is. Office is going some, in some cases, 30% of what's owed on them. Most multifamilies going for about 80 to 90% of what's owed on them. So it just depends on where you're at. So what I tell people is you have to understand where you are in the cycle. You need to understand where rates are. You need to plan for rates to stay the same or go higher, not to come down. That's what your business model needs to be built on. And when the market is, when you're in the business cycle of the markets, whether it's you know real estate markets, stock, whatever it is, you need to lead the market up and you need to lead the market down. You don't chase it. So what I mean is if a deal is transacting at a certain level, as rates are rising, you need to anticipate that's, that's going to come down. As rates go up, prices are going to come down. That's just how the financing works. And so you need to, if you bought a deal for you know $10 million today, it's only worth $8 million tomorrow. And you need to assume it's only going to be worth $6 million in two years if, if rates keep rising. Yeah. Then the other way around on the way down, you know, if rates are being cut and we're in a, you know, we're in a more, you know, stimulative environment, then you can be a little bit more aggressive as you go down. And that's where we were the last couple of years. And the other thing is, I, you know, I told all my people, you know, if you're going to use any kind of floating rate debt, you need to buy a cap. And a lot of people didn't, you know, a lot of people did, you know, so, um, so all of my people are doing pretty well. Uh, in general, because, you know, that was the advice I was giving them and kind of preparing them for this time was either lock in those low rates mm -hmm. or to get rate caps, you know, because my, you know, a lot of people thought rates were going to keep coming down. I was like, no, you're, we are at record levels that you will never see again for a long time. Got it. And then the 1.2 trillion that needs to be refinanced, that means that their, their payments are going to increase, right? At some point. And then yeah. if they can't refinance, then they have to potentially sell and if they have to sell to pay off that debt, typically the the market values will decrease. Is that, is that how? Yeah, we're already seeing that now. Market values have already dropped on multifamily just because of where interest rates are. So that affects cap rates. So we're already seeing twenty to thirty percent or more, you know, devaluation in commercial multifamily, office much worse. So yeah, it's all about the financing. The only other option you have is to raise equity to pay down the debt, you know, and then you know refinance or go from there. <laughs> Most deals don't work if you have to raise more capital and and you know um, recapitalize that deal. It's not going to work. Now, now, this might be kind of a silly question, but is it possible to raise enough equity where you don't need bank financing? Yeah, you can pay cash, but again, you know, then you have to return to your investors. And does that make sense? And what I'm saying right now is even with only raising 40 or 50%, it doesn't make sense if you're putting debt on top of it. But yeah, I mean, if you have investors and the deal, you know, you think the deal can work, you just pay cash for it. You know, a lot of people are doing that. that, you know, that a lot of people are paying cash for deals right now. They're raising funds to pay cash and then they'll refinance them later with the assumption that rates are going to come down. But you're, you know, you're unlevered. You have to buy at good cap rates so that you have a good unlevered return, you know, unlevered meaning no debt. Got it. That makes sense. And do you mind sharing with us how can the listeners connect with you, learn more about you? I know you mentioned you have a YouTube channel, some other content. Yeah, yeah. So I got a YouTube channel. I'm on Twitter as well. So gregdickerson.com. That's my website. All my social media profiles are there. And, you know, like I said, I've got, you know, thousands of videos on YouTube covering all kinds of real estate. I cover the markets, crypto, you know, macro economic environment, you know, everything that, you know, I know and I've learned over the last 30 years. I've got some courses coming out in October. Those will be on my website as well, where people can sign up and, 
you know, get uh, get on the waiting list for those. So gregdickerson.com. Okay, sounds good, Greg. I'll be sure to add in that link below. And thanks for joining us for this podcast. It was a pleasure to interview you, and I'm looking forward to having you back on in the future. Yep, thanks for having me, Sarah. Thank you. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.